Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hey, and welcome to Unabridged. This is episode 166, Get to Know the Unabridged Hosts. Today, before we get started, we want to remind you about our Unabridged Ambassadors program. These are people who are just wanting to support the podcast. They are awesome. We count on them for so much. They actually provided a lot of the questions that we're going to answer today. And basically, all you do is you go to our website, unabridgedpod.com slash ambassadors, and you sign up, you get some nice gifts for signing up. And then we just ask that you promote us on social media and we'll come to you for questions and voting and help coming up with the books that we're going to focus on and episode topics. So it's a lot of fun. We have a great chat going on and a wonderful community of people who enjoy books alongside us. So that is Unabridged Pod Ambassadors, and we would love for you to join us. All right, before we get started, we're going to do our bookish check-in. Ashley, what are you reading? One of the books I'm reading is Shonda Rhimes's Year of Yes, and I am absolutely loving this. Jen recommended this one, and and it works perfectly for our Unabridged Pod Challenge as one of our behavioral science picks, and which I didn't think about originally, but I'm very happy that I am checking that off on my on my challenge list. But I chose it because we had a conversation a while ago about how I was worried that that book might make me feel like I wasn't saying yes. I kind of shared about that on social media that I was worried that I would just bemoan all the times that I feel like I'm saying no. But Rhymes is just so affirming in the book and honest about her own struggles. And all of that has just been really uplifting. I think she's a phenomenal person and I really admire her. And so it's nice to hear someone who is so successful and seems to be living such a rich life to just speak openly and honestly about all the ways that she's introverted and the ways that she constantly says no to things and how she resolved to change that. And I really loved at the beginning, she has, she has a dedication to her kids and says, may every year be the year of yes. And I just love that idea. I think that thinking about how we can embrace the things that come our way instead of turning away from them is really powerful. So like I said, had I had some apprehension. I also had seen the Blackish episode where Rainbow is has read this book and she is trying to apply the principles to her life. And <laughs> and I mean, it's a hilarious show. So chaos ensues. And so I do think that had impacted me also because she loved the book, but was also like, oh my gosh, I can't do this with my kids and my life. And so, <laughs> so that was funny. But I do think, you know, I, I Sarah and I have shared about that before that sometimes books that are supposed to be really helpful can feel really overwhelming instead. And that's not what I need right now. But this one has been great. And I haven't felt that way at all. I think that I'm getting some great practical lessons from it. And also seeing the ways that I can apply some things and make some choices that help me to be happier 
while also acknowledging the struggles that people have. And so I really love that. I think something, just a quick example, is where she talked about how for so much of her teenage life, she tried to fix her hair just like Whitney Houston's hair. And that she did it and spent hours and hours and hours on it. And it wasn't until much, much, much later in her adult life that she was saying that when she was having her hair styled. And somebody said, oh, honey, it's a wig. And it was that moment where she was just like, it's a wig. Like that awareness that a lot of times what we see is not the reality behind what is there. And I thought that was just such a, I think she does a lot of that, where it is something that is a simple symbol, but helps us to remember that what we perceive about other people's lives is not always how they are. And that's really comforting. And I think that's really comforting in this time where we've been going through so much with the pandemic. I think it's comforting to think about how that applies to our own lives. So I'm loving it. Again, it's Shonda Rhimes' Year of Yes. And I'm so glad I'm listening to it and she reads it herself. And it's been a great fit for me. Yeah, I love that book so much. I've shared before, I think that it caused me to make some decisions that I very much needed to make. But I do think, yeah, I'm a very cautious person. And so that is a hard thing. I say yes, but it's to, I have a hard time saying no is maybe what I should say to new obligations. But this is a different turn on that. It's not about other people reaching out. It's about me accepting the opportunities that come my way. And so that was, I had listened to it at a time that I really needed to hear that message. Yes. So. I think that's it. Is it? It's not about like piling on more work or some of the things that I think sometimes we think of when we think of people asking us to do something and us committing mm-hmm. to even more. It's instead about thinking about what matters to you and embracing what's important to you and your family. Yeah. So yeah I love that. All right, Sarah, what are you reading? So I am reading Taylor Jenkins Reads One True Loves. And oh my goodness, I love it so much. I, it is just, I love her. I have not read a book of hers that I didn't love. I loved Evelyn Hugo um, and I like Daisy Jones and the Six. It wasn't for me as awesome as Evelyn Hugo, mm-hmm. but One True Loves, oh my gosh. I... I love it so much. So this is about Emma, who she marries her high school sweetheart. This And what is crazy is like all this stuff happens right in the beginning and hooks you. And then it goes back and tells the story. So anyway, she marries her high school sweetheart and they have this wonderful life together. And he goes to do some photography in Alaska and the helicopter he's on goes down and he is presumed dead. So after several years, Emma kind of starts building a new life and she is engaged to a new guy who's amazing. And then her husband, Jesse, she gets a call and he's been found alive. So she now has a husband who she adored and a fiance who she also adores. And so that's that's the exposition and how the story is set up. And then Reed goes back and we learn both stories of both of these men that she loves. And I mean, I just finished it and I just thought it was masterfully told. She is an, an excellent storyteller and it is a satisfying ending, but it is, I mean, it is a tricky thing that she does throughout this book. So I highly recommend it. I will, she, oh, 
She is an auto buy author for me now. Mm-hmm. First time I've that. <laughs> Join the crowd. I love it, love it, love it. I'm pulling you to the dark side, right? <laughs> so it, it's great. I mean, it really is great. And she has this amazing ability to, to build these really complex characters and stories. And you are just with them the whole time. And I just, I thought it was amazing. So that is Taylor Jenkins Reads, One True Loves. That sounds great, Sarah. Oh, Ashley, you would really like it. And it's funny because I had it on my shelf for so long. And there was something about that premise that I was just like, I don't see how anyone could do a good job with this. Yes, same. But she does somehow. I totally agree that she, yeah, once you read it, you're like, it's inevitable. It feels like it was inevitable. But yeah, it also reminds me, I love the movie Castaway. And it reminds me of the moment when Tom Hanks's character comes back from the island and Helen Hunt, who was his, I can't remember if they were married or engaged, has moved on because he's been gone for however many years in the island. And you're just heartbroken because you see that she has this great new guy. Yeah, I think it even talks about Castaway in the book. But it is this moment that is just heartbreaking because nobody has done anything wrong. And yet there's a decision that has to be made. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I'm getting like goosebumps right now talking about it. It was so good. Well, y'all know how I Gen- talk about Evelyn Hugo. So I am now yeah. here for everything she writes. And same, Sarah. I like Daisy Jones, but I didn't understand the fanatics <laughs> as much. And then when I read Evelyn Hugo, it is, it is that all-consuming story. I think that's something mm-hmm. I have not experienced a lot. I've read a lot of great books lately with that feeling of just being totally immersed she does that really well. And then the framing, it sounds like that one has an interesting frame as well. I like the way yes. she frames her stories in sort of unconventional ways. Yeah. I definitely think that Evelyn Hugo and One True Loves have similar like feels in terms of like that compulsion to read and versus like Daisy Jones. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just, yeah, it is an immersive experience. Mm-hmm. So. Jen, what are you reading now? So I am going to talk about a book I just started. This one comes out on March 2nd, and I have it thanks to NetGalley. I am reading it with the Love Actually Buddy Read, which is all about helping us to meet our NetGalley deadlines. <laughs> I very much appreciate that group because sometimes I need that push. But this is Ronnie Lauren's Yes, and I Love You. And so far, I have three chapters in. And there are two main characters and it alternates between them. So the first character is Holland, who is a super isolated person. She works at, I forget what it's actually called, but it's like a WeWork kind of place where she has an office that she rents so that she can go there to work. And she has a review column, Miss Poppy, but she has Tourette's. And so she deals with some severe social anxiety, and her decision to work out of this office is based on the advice of her therapist who thought this would be an important step to her getting over some of her social anxiety and forcing herself every day to go to a place where she would see people. So she goes every day to see people, but as she's walking through the main floor of the office up to her office on the second floor, she is doing all that she can to actually avoid talking to anyone. So it's this yeah, so far that that's really all I know about her, but it is a really empathetic portrayal of what she's going through every day. The other character is Jasper, and he is 
working there at the coffee shop at the same office building. And he is someone who wanted to get into improv, but he followed his girlfriend away from the town. She became super successful and basically broke up with him. So he has returned to his home. He doesn't have a great job anymore. So he's working at this coffee shop because it comes with some good perks in the office. And they meet when he is trying to be super friendly to her and she's, she thinks he's really cute. And so she starts getting these facial tics. And because of that, she just tries to cut off communication. So he thinks he's done something to make her mad. She is mortified because when she is around someone that she finds attractive, her facial tics increase. And yeah, so that that's basically what I know so far. I will say I find the writing to be really strong. I'm very compelled by both characters. I think Lauren has done a great job establishing very early in the book who each of them is and what they're trying to overcome. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where this one is going. So again, that's Ronnie Lawrence. Yes, and I love you. And it is coming out March 2nd. That sounds great. So far, I have good feelings. So we'll see where it goes. <laughs> All right. We're going to move to our main segment now. Get to know the unabridged hosts. I don't remember. We did one of these before. It's been a little while. And as I mentioned at the start, we asked our ambassadors and we put a call out on Instagram for some questions. So we have some I will say some challenging questions to answer. <laughs> so th this could, yeah, it could be interesting. <laughs> we have some non-bookish questions and as you might've guessed, some bookish questions. So we'll do a little bit of both. All right. So the first one, drum roll, how did you meet? Who wants to take this one? So I can share that I moved to Virginia in 2012 and we moved here from Kentucky because my life partner had gotten a job at a college here. And so we made the move. And as soon as I moved here, almost immediately, I met Jen and we went to this conference together with another teacher. And so I had been. It's really funny thinking about that. I have to say we were in the car for many, many hours. Remember there was. There was an accident on the interstate, so we were in the car for much longer than we expected. Anyway. Yeah, so I I will say I have moved a lot and I've traveled a lot in my life. And so I feel like I've had a lot of these like awkward experiences with people I don't know very well, and I'm with them for long periods of time. But this is one of those, <laughs> for sure. So it's two ladies I do not know. They pick me up in a car. <laughs> and we go to this conference <laughs> together. And I had been in Virginia, I don't know, like maybe a week at that point or a few days. I don't remember. But anyway, because um, it was in the summer and we had moved in the summer. And so Jen and I worked together at a high school and she was right down the hall from me and we were fast friends. And I was truly grateful for her help and expertise. And it was also moving here that really opened up young adult literature for me. I really hadn't done a whole lot of that prior, but the school where we were both working, they, Jen and other teachers there had worked very hard to create a reading community that celebrated young adult literature. And so that just exploded my reading world, which was a really positive experience for me. And then I had my first child and I transitioned to doing instructional technology. And so when I made that move, Jen was still at the school. 
I was doing instructional technology. We worked together for some tech projects. And then the next year, both Sarah and Jen became ITRTs is what we call them. And that was fantastic for me. (laughs) And I developed two amazing friends. And, you know, we didn't know Sarah prior. And so Jen and I already knew each other. But we're getting to work together on all these tech projects that were, were really amazing. And then we got to know Sarah. And so we had a really great community with that. And so that's kind of how we met and then discovered the mutual love of books. Sarah came in from a technology position right before, like teaching technology, but had also taught English. And so we all had that in common as our background. And so things just developed from there. It's so funny because I remember actually the year, actually that you were in ITRT and Sarah and I were both still teachers. We went to this technology conference and I remember meeting Sarah sitting on a floor because there were no chairs at this conference, sitting on the floor, (laughs) eating lunch and doing the whole, you know, there are teachers in our division that we didn't all know. So we were meeting each other. And then when we both joined the ITRT team, yeah, that was that's a story in and of itself. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, that's that was so much fun. Wow, it's so fun. I'm I'm feeling almost giddy now. It's so funny looking back. Yes. And it was, I mean, we we've shared this on our website and we probably talked about it before, but all of us missed books. So there were a lot of reasons why we made the change that we did in our lives, but all of us miss the books. And so we were always talking books at the office, and that became kind of the thing is that people would ask us about books and what recommendations and we were always sharing what we were reading by actually like physically sharing books with people and then also just talking about what we were reading and that was how the podcast evolved so you know we really cultivated that love and it created that I mean that was one of the ways that we really bonded as friends so I feel like things evolved from there all right moving on I feel like I want to just linger over this question for a really long time because I have all the warm feelings but I am going to move on all right let's do a bookish question I always like to know what book last made you cry and why so Sarah what about you well this is very recent but I I don't cry a ton in books like I tend to cry more in like movies and TV shows even though I will feel emotional during a book I don't necessarily shed tears but One True Loves by Taylor Jenkins <laughs> Reid, which I mean, there it is also something to do with the timing of reading this book. But I mean, I just put it down at some point and just sobbed because I don't know, it just hit me right in the heart. And it's one of those things too, like I would start sobbing about the book and then I would find other things to continue sobbing about. <laughs> because there's there's a list at the moment so (laughs) so that is the one that has most recently made me cry in fact this week so (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness yes I I I sobbed with during that book I did with Evelyn really ugly crying yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yep Ashley how about you so I had one I was going to share but this morning (laughs) (laughs) speaking of recent experiences this morning I could not sleep we have a lot of snow here and we live close to the university and they are very diligent about plowing and so they often plow at three in the morning and I am a light sleeper so I was reading this morning and and maybe also 
close to teariness because, you know, it was very early morning. But anyway, I'm reading Emily Henry's A Million Junes, and I read a section that just hit me right in the heart, and I was very teary. So that was first thing this morning. And it's great. It's (laughs) really beautiful. I'm really enjoying that book. And I don't, there's a lot in it that is about loss and grief, but there are a lot of parts that I felt this way about Beach Read too. There are a lot of parts that aren't super painful, but then there are other parts that are mm-hmm. really poignant. And there was a section that was just really, really poignant. And so I was very teary about that. I was kind of gasping, crying while reading the first half of that book. Yes. I, there was a particular it, it was a little that was a lot. And like Sarah said, like <laughs> once the floodgates are open, it is a free-for-all and there's a lot in there. So <laughs> Yeah. What about you, Jen? What's the last one that made you cry and why? (laughs) Well, I would say I cry more often than not. (laughs) So if I look at my Goodreads, it's a long list, but I I went back to one. Ashley Schumacher's Amelia Unabridged. I will say I sobbed, full out sobbing, ugly crying more than once. Because again, like A Million Junes, I think is going to be, I'm not done with it yet, but it is a lot about grief and recovery and there are s- several characters, deaths that we are dealing with in that book. And the first one took me really off guard. I talked about this book on the podcast a few episodes ago. And so I'll just say it's the main character's best friend who dies very early in the story. And the whole rest of the story unfurls from there. But I just wasn't expecting it. And so I think because, I mean, it was just instantaneous tears. I just gasped and then started crying and and several other points in the book. <laughs> I started crying because I think Schumacher is a great writer. And so she really made me feel what each of the losses meant for the characters. So yeah, that's Amelia Unabridged. It's a beautiful book. I'm laughing at this question for Jen, because I'm just thinking of how many times on the podcast, Jen said that her husband came to check on her because she, he could hear her and he's just like, oh, you're reading. Well, that's I feel yes. like I tear up all the time and then work really hard to shove it all back down. So if I, if I think about, which I know, I'm sure that I'm sure. The Next we'll be having a therapy. I know. It's it's Somebody's listening and thinking, you know, we should work through that, Ashley. Yes. I'm aware. But anyway, this morning I'm like, don't gasp, take some breaths, <laughs> look out the window because you know, I was like, it's the middle of the night. My partner's going to be like, what is happening? But yeah, I think, I do think that that's a great way to, you know, relieve some, what was it that Darius the Great said? The stress hormones. Yeah. Oh, yes. That was the one I had listed. It was a deep Karam. Darius the Great is not okay. And I cried it, not mm-hmm. in a particular scene of that too, but, but good crying. Oh, that's such good a crying. Point. I felt like therapeutic. That's right. Yeah. I feel like I don't cry a lot in life, but books and movies are the way that I tap into that part. So yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe I just actually have a lot to cry about and I'm just telling myself that it's the books and the movies and the TV show. I do show. think having that outlet is probably good. I always tell people that I cry in the car and in the shower. It's good spaces. Private. Private spaces. <laughs> <laughs> but now maybe books can be on that list too. That's right. That works. All right. What made you decide to go into education as a career? And if you weren't teachers, what would you be? Ashley, you're up first for this one. Oh, gosh. I think so. I feel like I'm sweating. 
<laughs> I feel more comfortable talking about books than myself. I think I'm discovering. But anyway, um, that's all right. I'm going to plow forward here. So I, like most things I've done in my life, kind of stumbled into education. I got married right after college. And when I got married, my partner was already a teacher, a Spanish teacher at a local private high school. And they had, and I didn't know yet, we were looking at doing the JET program in Japan, which we did do. And we were already kind of preparing for that. And so I wasn't looking a whole lot for a job. I was interested in writing and was thinking that I would pursue that. And then it was basically, we were looking at only a year before we would do the program in Japan. And so because of that, I did not have anything particularly lined up, but the summer that we got married, a job opened up as an English teacher at the school. So that was very convenient and seemed like a great opportunity. And so I applied for that and I had no background in education. I had never student taught. I did not have my, my degree was in French and English. I'd majored in both of those. And, but because it was an independent school, they didn't have all the constraints that public schools do. And so they hired me and it was great. I had a great experience there. We're still, we're still, it's been a long time. I am not young and um, we're still really connected to that community in Spartanburg, South Carolina. That's where I started. And so it was great, but I, again, I didn't preconceived that I wanted to do that. But once I got in the classroom, I really loved it. I loved being with the students and found that I was really passionate about it. And I guess that if I weren't going to do that, that what I had thought I would do is travel and write. And I do still really love to travel and I really love writing, but I have been super fulfilled by being in education. So there you go. Yeah. Great answer. Great answer. Sarah, how about you? So I actually uh, went to school for business administration and I worked in banking and finance for like eight years. And while I was in banking and finance, I was a marketing director, which is what my, my major was business. And then my, my concentration was marketing and college. And so while I was a marketing director for a community bank, I went back to school and got my MBA. And then, and then the bank that I was working for was purchased by a larger bank and operations were far away. So, so then I went into another area of banking and then my husband and I decided we were going to start a family and I decided to switch careers and he was like, what, (laughs) but, but I did. And so I actually, because I'm an MBA, I had a lot of the requirements to get a certification in business information and technology and marketing education. So I got a provisional license with those classes. And then I went back to school and got the classes I needed to fulfill the teaching requirements. And so I did that while I was teaching and I just applied at several schools in my area. And I actually could have gone to one of two positions and I decided to go ahead and be do language arts, which I never, I just remember going in because I had never had student teaching and my principal took me to my room and she was like, good luck. We're glad to have you. And she left. And I was like, oh my gosh, here's the manual for what I'm going to be doing. So basically I just learn by fire. And I mean, I just fell in love with teaching and being with the students. I taught eighth grade, which a lot of times when I tell people that they're like, oh my goodness. And I just love that age group because they are, I just felt always like 
the eighth graders were in the cusp of something great. And I was able to be there to see to see them work through that and then see their potential later. So I really loved it. If I hadn't found teaching, I probably would have it like my dream job would probably have been something in fashion or in advertising, being an ad- advertising executive. But I am grateful I found teaching and I feel like it works with my my life right now. And so it's been a great choice for me. Yeah, I wish I'd said, Sarah, that that, that was true for me too, that I, ha- I got a provisional license. I did that in Kentucky that we did. I got the provisional license with my position and then went back to school and got my master's in education. And I think it's great for people to know that because I it is intimidating. I think sometimes if you don't have your background mm-hmm. in education, but you do realize later on that you are passionate about educating, but there are a lot of avenues that make it possible for people to transition. It's just kind of finding yes. the pathway. What about you, Jen? So... Hmm. All right. So I went into college, my college called it deciding. So I had not declared a major and I get on a soapbox with my students sometimes about this because I feel like there's pressure for students in high school to decide on their career paths already. And as both of you have communicated, you don't need to know your career path when you are a junior or senior in high school. And so I will say, first of all, I am really glad that I made that decision going into college I had gone to a very small high school and I I loved, I think I got a good education there, but we did not have a lot of electives and there were a lot of classes and a lot of area. I just love to be a student. And so there were a lot of classes that I took my freshman year that I would not have taken if I had declared a major already. I took an introduction to Western music class. I took this amazing philosophy class. I took sociology. But on my mind going into college was that I might want to go into medicine. My mom is a nurse, and I thought that there was a lot that appealed to me about being a doctor, about service. And so I actually went in taking all of these other classes, but also on a path to be a biology major. I had some college classes going into my college. So I'd taken some college classes in high school and didn't actually have to take my first English class until we had trimesters, until the third trimester my freshman year. And my first English class was like this revelation because I was so happy every day going to that class. And I felt like it lasted five minutes and I would walk out the door just beaming. I just loved it. And I thought that this is what I want to do. So I love biology. I loved all of these other classes, but that was just a moment of clarity for me. And by coincidence, that same trimester, I took a class that my school called Exploring Teaching. And basically it was a little one credit class and you went into, you had a certain amount of time in an elementary classroom, a middle school classroom, and a high school classroom, just to be in that setting, thinking about it from that perspective. And that was also great. I enjoyed all of my experiences. It's tough for me now to look back and think that I enjoyed being in elementary and middle school classrooms because I'm firmly like, I love juniors and seniors. And that's what I've almost <laughs> always taught. But I just, that was another thing that I just loved. So I ended up minoring in biology. I stuck with it. I survived calculus at the college level, which was a thing. But yeah, I just loved that. And so I do think there's still a lot about being a doctor that appeals to me. I remember my mom warning me about the time I would have to put in. And then I think, well, she's never been a teacher because I'm not sure that I put in any less time as a teacher than doctors do. But 
certainly I have found a lot of happiness in education. And so it's tough for me to imagine. I'm now back in the classroom after having been in ITRT for a few years. And I feel like it's definitely my happy place to be back in the classroom with students. So I'm very, very happy with where I am, but I do still think there are things about medicine that appeal to me. Nice. All right. Well, we are going to now do a speed round where we keep our explanations at a minimum. So it actually should be speedy. We hope you, we'll see. It's challenging for us. I know. I was going to say, you know, we love to talk. So we'll see how it goes. All right. So the first speed round question is, if you could live in the world of one book, what would it be? Sarah. I'm going with Elin Hildebrand. She writes a lot of, she's a prolific writer. She writes a lot of books. They're all similar in like what they do. And she always sets them in Nantucket. And ever since I started reading her books and my mom and sister also read them, we've all been like, we want to go to Nantucket. So I would like to live in Nantucket for the three months in the summer. All right, Ashley. I, this one's really hard for me, but I went with Stephanie Perkins, Anna and the French Kiss. It's set in Paris. I love Paris. I could very happily live there. It's a great city. Jen, what about you? All right. And I, I chose Rainbow Rowell's Fangirl because I think though there are things going, I was thinking more like the world of the people's lives. And though there are things there that they are challenged with, there's nothing so horrible that it's not surmountable. And so that's, that's the way I thought about that one. Okay. Next speed round question. If you could live in one place for three months, where would you choose? Sarah. I went with Turks and Caicos. And I think that is because I love the beach. Again, I would want to be there in the summertime. And it is a place that I went to with my family, just the four of us. And we don't have, we didn't really have any internet connection and we couldn't use our phones. And I found that amazing. And it was the most relaxed that we've ever been. So that's why I chose Turks and Caicos. Ashley? So I am choosing Ronda, which is a small town in Southern Spain in the Andalusia area of Spain. And it is a place that is close to my heart. Mahan spent a lot of time there when we were in college and we've been connected to the community ever since. So I could live there for three months, three years or 30 years. But yeah, I love that place. (laughs) What about you, Jen? So I am choosing the beach. My family goes to the Outer Banks every summer. And growing up, my family was not a beach family. My dad hated the beach. So that has been something that has become a part of my life as an adult. <laughs> and I just love it. It's it's a little less peaceful now than it used to be, but it is still a place that I associate with with peacefulness and family time and being able to go out on the beach and just read all day. So I really love it. So, okay. Our final speed round question. <laughs> a backlist book you love. Sarah. John Boyne's The Heart's Invisible Furies. I adored that book. I've talked about it on the podcast so many times and it continues to stick with me. And I think about it frequently. Whenever anybody talks about favorite and book in the same sentence, I always, that is always one that it goes through my mind to consider. Awesome. Ashley? I went with Barbara King Solvers, The Poison Wood Bible. I chose this one. I found this question very difficult because like Sarah, there are definitely my favorites that float to my top of my mind. And it's hard among those to pick the one. But I went with this mm-hmm. one because I re- reread, we shared on the podcast, I reread it this past summer and was totally captivated all over again and felt like I had a new reading experience reading it again. And so I always think that's a good sign for a book. So Barbara King Solvers, Poison Wood Bible. What about you, Jen? 
So I chose Khaled Hosseini's And the Mountains Echoed. Honestly, I could have chosen any of his books. I love them so, so much. But that's the one I've read least frequently. I've taught his books a lot and I just loved it. And that is another one I remember in the first chapter just dissolving into tears because I think it's so powerful. And it has that one is one that has a ton of storylines, which I really love. And I think it gives you perspectives on the way a lot of different people in many parts of the world think, which I really like. All right. So that's the conclusion of our speed round, which was speedy for us. <laughs> she <laughs> says defensively. <laughs> All right. We're going to close out with our give me one. And today we are doing books you loved when you were a kid. Ashley. I'm going to keep this one speedy. Roald Dahl's books I really loved when I was a kid. Matilda was the one that I most remember just being a transformative mm. experience for me and that has really stayed with me. But I loved a lot of his other books as well. Awesome. Sarah, how about you? Give me all the series when I was a kid. I loved all of them. Some of them included Babysitter's Club, Sweet Valley Twins, and Sweet Valley High, Sleepover Friends, Fabulous Five. You name a series, I was there. I love that continuity, and I always appreciated, especially when I was that age, being able to revisit with characters that I had grown to love. What about you, Jen? I also loved series, and I... I really think about the mystery series when I was a kid. I remember going to the library and just leaving with a stack of them. So I would get Encyclopedia Brown and Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys and Bobsy Twins and Trixie Belden. And again, it was that continuity. I love trying to figure out the mystery alongside the characters. Encyclopedia Brown were especially good for that. I never could, but it was really <laughs> fun to try. So yeah, all those mystery series. I think as a kid, it's comforting too to know. I think that's also why like kids now love like Diary of a Wimpy Kid and all mm -hmm. that. It's comforting to know that when that book's there, you are going to read it. And it's you get you don't have that choice overload mm -hmm. so yeah. if, in fatigue. So definitely. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. And again, don't forget about our Unabridged Ambassadors program. We would love to have you. And thanks for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.